be an idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, 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 the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to <laughs> figure it out. Hey, welcome to another episode of Don't Be an Idiot. I'm Caleb and my co-host Jake here. What's going on, guys? We're excited to have you guys join us for just more conversations, trying to get slightly better. And a really uh, a motivation for me is just thinking through my life. And uh, honestly, this conversation is going to be one uh, I think Jake's going to push me out a little bit as uh, I've got a couple of thoughts. We're kind of taking uh, this this book and really just using it as a jumping off point for conversation. Uh and it's, we've been looking at dumb things Christians believe or, or the false ideas, bad ideas that Christians just tend to, to believe and spout off. And we're not necessarily talking about the, the world in general, but kind of this pseudo-Christian culture. Uh, that, that's who we're trying to address here. We're also recognizing that's primarily our audience yeah. is Christians in the Christian culture. So uh, just in the world fight of like, I don't know if we're ever going to fight culture and beat culture we just have to be different than culture and yeah. that's kind of our goal here and well, not being an idiot so. and that's what jesus called us to yes. he didn't call us to <laughs> be a salt and light be an agent of change but at the end of the day like you're only in charge of you so let's let's work on ourselves focus on ourselves and that's a big goal here so we've been through quite a few of these lies yeah uh today's is well they blank whomever will never change and it's the idea and, and you might have felt this before like have you prayed for someone? Have you shared the gospel with someone? Have you seen someone show up to church or not show up to church or someone in your life? You're like, man, no matter what that person, they're just lost. And that's always going to be that way. They're never going to change. They're always going to be angry. They're always going to be maybe an alcoholic. They're always going to be far from God. Mm. Um, and so they're never going to change. Mm. Is that true? I think this is a nuanced, this is a nuanced <laughs> answer. So whether I'm in a fighting mood or whatever's going on, like, yeah, let's um, go. Let's go. I, 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 I don't want to share myself that I'm more hopeful than Caleb. That doesn't sound <laughs> fair because I think his ending point is full of hope. Uh, but. So, yeah. So do people change, Caleb? I think no. I think generally speaking, I want, I want to yep. give some caveats. I've been there. fighting his absolutes yeah. already this morning. So. And I don't. I did not mean to say an absolute. I, I, I think generally speaking, uh, he pointed out, hey, well, somebody that gets a catastrophic injury, do they change? Well, what do you, wait, let's, let's define here. So what do we mean by change? Because I mean. Yeah. The, their fundamental core personality and values, not the way those values are expressed, not their, their actual uh, situation in life. Cause obviously situa my situation in life right now is vastly different than 10 years ago when I didn't have kids, but who you are as a person is what we're who I am. And now I think different life situations, even those catastrophic injuries, uh, there's something there that I still push back on and, and say, no, that would just reveal more of who you are. Yeah, but I, I think the science, you know, whatever that means. Uh, uh, I think if you study, let's just say trauma, and this has been a topic here before, <laughs> literally changes your brain. Yeah. Like, like actual biology changes in your head when things happen. Um, and so that's where I would I would have to say yes. I, I, I agree to, to, to a certain so extent. So I win. You, you win in that. I, I'm going to put an asterisk. I'm going to put an asterisk by the statement that I don't, think people change. Like, for example, uh, uh, just in our pre-conversation before we, we started recording, you, you mentioned uh, somebody wakes up one day and decides, I need to lose a bunch of weight. Now, uh, I think that does happen, 
But I think you visit them again in five, 10 years, most of those people have gained the weight back. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and uh, the people that get, um, oh, what's the, the belly surgery? Um, where they- Gastric uh, bypass surgery. Yeah, yeah. Gastric bypass. Uh, the percentage of people that actually keep that weight off after having this physical surgery to restrict the size of their stomach is not that great apart from those who have also made huge life-changing decisions. And so even somebody willing to go through surgery to get that change, uh, there's only a a percentage of people, a a fraction of those people. So you're suggesting that the change that that you're seeing in their life was already kind of predisposed in their personality. I I think so. I, I think so. Let me ask you this then. Well, and that they revert back to yeah, yeah, the yeah. consistent. Or, or vice versa. The people who actually change and stay had, had within themselves, that was always going to kind of happen. So how much of our personality is predetermined versus, you know, determined by ourselves in <laughs> the good. real time? You uh, know what I mean? I, I've always, are you talking the nature versus nurture? I mean, a little bit. A, a little bit. I, I think it's a incredibly unique blend of both. It's a and both and, yeah. It, it is. And I, I think... So, so the, just for those of you that aren't familiar with this debate, it, it's uh, one psychologists and sociologists and a bunch of ists have been having for a long time of, are you born with your personality or was your personality created through life circumstances? And I think... So does it change with... <laughs> sorry. So does it change? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I think both, I, I think especially... Uh, so here, just to give another caveat. So my general statement... Uh, this is by the time you're in your 20s, I would say. Generally, your personality from that point on, from maybe 25, through the rest of your life. When your brain stops changing. When your brain stops. Honestly, in our pre-conversation, some of my, I was trying to be slow in this. I was like, I work with a percentage of the population that changes all the time. Every all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, and so. I wholly agree with that. Teenagers, middle schoolers, college students, literally their personality is constantly changing, yeah. which is one of the fun, challenging dynamics of working with young people and one of the incredible opportunities there as well. But I even don't. that change is predictable, I think. Um, <laughs> there's there's some predictability in that change of like, oh, mm. this isn't new. You know, mm. oh, you know, the, uh, the quiet and uh, reserved girl turns loud and promiscuous. Mm. That's actually a, a movie trope. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's so common that it's a movie trope. You know what I mean? So... Uh, or vice versa, or the kid yes. who has a hard home life changes styles, stylistically clothing mm. multiple times. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's that's a normal thing. So even even the change that we're seeing, uh, it's funny. I, I feel us blending towards each other's side here. Um, <laughs> I, I've had a feeling. Yeah, uh, go ahead. You you got something? Yeah. So just again, no, knowing that, so I'm I'm specifically saying I don't think people from the time of mid twenties through that their core personality and core values, specifically those two things don't change that much. And I think it's actually an observation. The wisest man who ever lived once made, and he wrote a book largely about this, this truth. Uh, let me just read you the opening verses in chapter uh, in chapter one of the Ecclesiastes written by uh, song of Solomon and and it opens with a little introduction the words of the preacher the son of David king in Jerusalem and he says vanity of vanities and this is actually a really fun word uh, how nerdy do I go it's this idea of just breath and vapor just this this mist this ephemeral thing the fun parallel here is and I'm gonna tie this in later it's the same this, it's a parallel term to 
Ruha. What God breathed into us. Breath. Yeah. Okay, so so just keep that in mind as he's talking about breath and vapor and vapor, says the preacher. Vapor of vapors, all is vapor. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and goes down. It hastens to its place where it rises again. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All systems run to the sea, all streams, sorry, all streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full to the place where the streams flow. There they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. And here's verse nine. What has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which is said, see, this is new. It's already been in the ages before us. This is what I'm talking about that I don't think people generally change. Yeah, yeah. so I, that's good because I want to tie this back to our original kind of prompt here. Mm-hmm. Um, they will never change. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking into your life at someone. I just want you to pause and think, who is your someone? That person's mm. never going to change. I think mm-hmm. if we dug, we in minimum have one, probably multiple in our lives. And there's something here for the Christian. There's a reason that this is a popular lie that we believe. Mm-hmm. Because while, as Caleb is explaining in the Bible, uh, is explaining, yes, people left to their own devices, people left after the fall, dust to dust, we return. Like it's always going to be this. Ecclesiastes concludes, sorry to jump in. The, so the, at the, the conclusion, then there's a little summary at the, at the end, but Ecclesiastes dust and the dust returns to the earth as it was, meaning man comes back and the spirit returns to God who gave it breath, breath, vanity, vanity, says the preacher, all is vanity. I don't know what science class I was in and maybe it was earth sciences that you learn about the, uh, how rain and rivers and mm. oceans mm-hmm. work, right? Like the, the uh, condensation gets put in the clouds. The clouds go near the you know, mountains and drops and all of these different things. Yeah. And it's, it's the same water, like the same water that, you know, if I dump out this bottle of water at some point, someone's going to drink that water again, whether it goes into vapor and gets into the clouds and gets dropped back in the earth. Generally speaking, I, I'm sure I, every scientist is rolling their eyes at me right now, but <laughs> that, I mean, I think it's this idea. I, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not. So, but when we're, t- when we're talking about people specifically, it, and I even think my frustration with the, with the prompt here is, if I wasn't a Christian, I probably wouldn't be mad because as Christians, you just have this hope uh, because you realize without God, you would not have changed. And so I think about the uh, parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the two sons, I think is a better name for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, both sons go through a dramatic change. Well, actually, one actually you never see change, but one of them goes through a very dramatic change who leaves his house, uh, asks for his inheritance basically says, dad, I don't care about you. I don't care about this family. I'm out. Give me mm-hmm. my money. I go get, you know, dad didn't have to. Dad did. Yeah. He goes to a far off city. He squanders all of his money, uh, in gambling and fun and the pleasures of this world, right? All the things that our world is preaching now, like he, he goes and wastes it. Yeah. And then he finds himself in for a Jewish person, the worst possible place, <laughs> you know, uh, eating the slop with the pigs. So really it's this, he tried to say he found himself in this unclean position, this unsanctified and unholy place where he did not belong. 
Hmm. And he comes to himself and remembers the love of the father. Hmm. Uh, and comes back. Uh, and then you, you can talk about the free will choice there, right? To change. What was it the love of the father that drew him back or was it his own personal decisions? You, you know, there, there's a debate there too. But wrapped up in this story, when he comes back, the father welcomes him with open arms, puts robes on his back, rings on his fingers, and resets him back to the former position that he was in. Uh, this is the story of the gospel, right? Think in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sin against God, they fall from grace, they find themselves in an unsanctified, unclean, unholy place because God cast them out of the garden. Then the gospel says that God from there sets a plan in motion to bring back Adam to himself, mm. to put him in his former spot, which was to be this worker in perfection. Hmm. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, I'm in, I'm, I'm willing to agree um, and not just fight you, just to fight you <laughs> in that you generally speaking, yes. Now we can talk about tra trauma and we can talk about teenager crazy brains and we can talk about all of those things. But I think in 10 years, um, I'm going to be me still. And there's, you know, you're going to be recognizable both in, in the way I talk and the way I act and the way I, like, I might change a little bit, but that's still within my personality because I have a lot of desire to push myself and change. Yes. And I think the, the situations in your life will naturally be different. And so that's not. That's not the argument. That's not the argument. Yes. Um, so when we say, you know, if Caleb's my lost friend, mm -hmm. hey, I love Caleb. I want to be, I'm friends with Caleb, mm -hmm. but this dude is lost as as anyone as lost yeah. as, as Waldo. You know what I mean? He's gone, you know, <laughs> lost. Uh, Sorry, I wasn't ready. <laughs> yeah. He's never going to change. Uh -huh. So Caleb, tell me what the gospel says about yeah, that. Yeah, this is, this, this is the whole, uh, so let's just, well, actually, do you want to do this? Uh, recap, who is Ecclesiastes in the conversation with the other, uh, Oh yeah, this books? is, this is so good. Uh, so we're going to come back to the gospel. Let's put a yeah, pin in yeah, that. Yeah. 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 The gospel. So we, there's, there's multiple wisdom literatures. There's Proverbs, there's Ecclesiastes, there's Job. Mm -hmm. There's one more writing that is considered wisdom. <laughs> Song of Songs. Song of Songs. Yeah. Which Song is of Songs. also written by Solomon. Uh, is, yeah. Uh, we're just going to take the the erotic love letter and put it <laughs> aside from the other three for a yeah, moment. We need to have a conversation. It is Valentine's sometime. Day. We could have done that. That would have oh, been a great dude, topic. That was a big miss. We're recording this on Valentine's Day. <laughs> um, no one wants to hear us talk about that. Caleb. <laughs> so, so just, you've got to just read. Just you've got straight Job, read. Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes, mm -hmm. and they show up in your Bible in that order. Mm. Um, Job is actually thought to be one of the first chronological books written. Mm -hmm. But when you look at this, it's a fun way to consider this. Think of Proverbs as this young man who's excited about life, who's chasing after wisdom, chasing after the things. Lady wisdom. Lady wisdom is, is the main character in Proverbs. Mm -hmm. Then you have, and, and he seems to have hope. He seems to have mm -hmm. all the things that you experience from these 30-year-old, just, oh, I'm excited, <laughs> I must go get it. And then, I think Jocko Willings. Like, <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Then you have Ecclesiastes. And it's seem, seemingly this kind of dark, Mm -hmm. uh, the, the wisdom writer is going through his emo phase almost. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yes. As we're talking about teenagers and changing, right? There's another one. Uh, midlife crisis. Midlife crisis. What I, what, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Uh, in the in the 40s and 50s, something happens to yeah. people, generally speaking. Uh, and get cynical, baby. They get cynical. They get frustrated. They get kind of like he's like, hey, what's the point? Yeah. What's the point? There's nothing new here. And, and he's not wrong. No, no. And then you get Job. Mm. And Job does this great job of looking at the two young pups under him comparatively and saying like, hey, it's both hand here. Mm. Uh, but the point is to find your joy in the Lord. Mm. 
So yes, Proverbs writer, you're right. Mm -hmm. There is depth to be mined mm -hmm. out of what's happening in your life. Ecclesiastes, you're right. There is a vanity to that mining. And then Job comes back and says, without God, none of this makes sense anyway. Mm -hmm. I love Job, the bracketing of Job, because mm -hmm. we see joy and happiness and fulfillment, and then we see life. Yeah. And then at the end, we see joy and happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that actually string those two together is God. Uh, it's a big deal. So did that I, did I do a good job there. No, no, no that <laughs> was perfect. The only thing is God. And I, I, I've not heard anybody else talk about this and I'm literally just tying it together while we talk. This is the problem with being an extrovert. You start connecting. You learn as you talk. While yeah. talk. Yeah. Sorry. So this is really why we do the podcast because we're both extroverts. So we just learn as we talk this idea of va vanity as breath and vapor and tying it into the spirit of God. Because here's, here's the whole point is that, Ecclesiastes, what he's done is plumb the depths of human wisdom and understanding, meaning what power does man have to change, both both on the, the microcosm, in the, in the mm -hmm. me as a person, in the, the macro, in the world history. Uh, I think most people that have studied history agree that history repeats itself with frightening predictability. Um, whether that's on the scale of nations, the scale of uh, just, just history in general is frighteningly repetitive and predictable. But, and this is, uh, so this is found in Isaiah. And generally speaking, God is always telling his people, remember what I did for you. Remember what I did for you. Remember what I did for you. So then there comes this really, really strange verse in the book of Isaiah. And he says this, he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. So already you're like, wait, God, you are saying something radically different than yeah. what you've already said to me. And what he's, uh, well, let me read the next verse. This is verse 19. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make my way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert, which is hyperlinking in so many things, even back to the original. Isaiah is, is pretty pretty good about those things. The hyperlinks in Isaiah. Oh, it's almost it, like it's not even an original book. There's so many no, hyperlinks no, in it. Yeah, yeah. So here's he, him saying, hey, so so what the point is, is it not don't remember God's deliverance because that's what he's constantly telling them. Remember how I delivered you out of Egypt is like, the most common refrain in the Old Testament. Remember how I've worked in the past. What he's saying is remember not like just history because history, I'm not going to do it in the same way again. I'm going to do something new. So Ecclesiastes is 100% right. And it's in our scripture for a reason is that humanly speaking, there is nothing new. Whether that's on the microcosm or the macrocosm, we're not going to change. If you flip over to uh, Ezekiel 36, and uh, this is after the, uh, well, this is actually just before the Valley of Dry Bones. That's in Ezekiel 37. And I know I've talked about that several times, but Ezekiel 36, uh, verse 26, he says, and I will give you, this is God speaking to the people of Israel, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. 
And this is what we see in the story of the prodigal son. Because mm-hmm. right? he was on a trajectory. And then the cir- situation in life, the circumstances of life came crashing down and God did something in his heart. This is the, the new thing there. So this is, this is where I'm, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, I, I wholly agree that nothing will change for this person. Nothing is going to be different. They're not going to change in and of themselves, but God. Mm. Thinking about Ephesians there, Ephesians uh, 2, but God being rich in mercy. You know what I mean? mm. uh, it's his great love that he saves us. And so our, our, your person, you know, we filled in, like, who, who filled in your blank there? Who's yeah. your person? Like, what, what does that mean for you now? Like, mm. Yeah, I like this. You have to be preaching the gospel to that person in every way possible. Yeah. Verbally with scripture, you know, like dragging them to church anytime you can. Like parents, I'm thinking about like, hey, you're worried that your kid is never going to change. No, not based on them. Right. But God is going to do something new in their life. Yeah. God uh, can do something new in their life. It was funny. uh, (laughs) This past week was the Super Bowl. Congratulations, all you Chiefs fans. Yes. We're... We're so proud. We're begrudgingly, we're excited for you. <laughs> no, but uh, an incident happened in the game that even Chiefs fans are a little little hot at one of their players for. Uh, you want to tell the story? I say that. All the Chiefs fans have been, I've seen, have been like, no, 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 this is okay. He's just excited, you know. <laughs> no, uh, one of their best players, uh, Travis Kelsey, um, got a little frustrated on okay, the sidelines. Okay, so maybe, maybe Swifties. Give it from the Swifties perspective. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they cut over a camera to him. I'm always feeling bad for the players. They have cameras in their face all the time. Uh, but basically, they, they catch him acting like a child, and he's yelling and screaming in his coach's face and bumps him and almost knocks his, which is funny, too, because he didn't hit him that hard. Just Andy Reid is not a very healthy man and uh, about fell over. You know what I mean? And then they're screaming and yelling. and uh, It was a little concerning, I think. It showed, it showed some character. It showed some, you know, some heart behind the thing. I'm also not expecting Travis Kelsey to be a pillar of, of manhood and, and moral values. But, uh, yeah. And so the Sw- and, I would and, agree with everything you just and, said. And the Swifties come out and said, Hey, this is a red flag. And for those of you who don't know, this is a big warning sign. This is a reason you should break up with him. Uh, because, because if he's willing to do that in that situation, what happens when you make him mad? And then it turns physical and angry. And we would both say, there's something there. There's something there. Like, I, I'm not, I, I'm also going to give people a lot of grace in the, in the context of a sporting event. Like every, all the How Chiefs fans that are salts arguing. How many was he on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, uh, okay. I'm, I'm going to give him some grace there. That's a heated, heated thing. And he was passionate, fired up and whatever. But it was also an incredibly inappropriate. You should never be screaming in any, football's different. It's a weird sport. But that being said, like, People don't change. It fits into that. And Swifties are picking up on that. Like, hey, how are you going to respond when something goes wrong in your life? And and if you show just a lack of self-control in this one area, that probably means you have a lack of self-control in other areas. And that's true. That's the people don't change thing. Yeah, my only pushback there too would be that was a three-second moment in that guy's life who we know to be a highly disciplined person. The fact that he's where he's at, he's he, he at least shows discipline in other areas. You know what I mean? Yes. So yes. In the same way people change, also people slip. Yes. 
out of their normal character. Right. But wholly agree. Just uh, I, th- I think of addiction recovery, whether that's pornography, drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, all of them. One of the first steps in recovery, the 12 step process, is admitting that there is a higher power. Meaning you're not the authoritarian self. You don't get to define right and wrong in that you have to submit to something other than you. Meaning I need something else to help me change. Because left to myself. Left and to even myself. Even after that, what do they say at the end? Will a, someone who's walked through the 12 steps and been 10 years clean, will they ever, what do they call themselves? Recovering addict. I'm They're, an addict. I'm, I'm, an addict. Recover- I'm still an addict. I'm still an addict. But I've been an addict who's yeah. said no for so long. And that's, that's why uh, there's a different... Um, recovery group called Celebrate Recovery. And it's a Christian-based one. Yeah, And it says, no, 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 no. You are no longer your sin. You are no longer an addict. And I don't know where I, I personally land between these two. Uh, because a part of me says, no, no, no. You're, you always have to be on guard against that sin. Um, but in Celebrate Recovery, you're like, that is no longer who you are because of Jesus. Because of Jesus' Holy Spirit living in you. And that's where I think this Ecclesiastes passage is is so fascinating, is everything's breath, everything's wind, vanity, vanity. And that's the theme through the book of Ecclesiastes, that it's this vapor, this wind, this breath that's pointless. That's human effort. Yep. That's human wisdom. That's human knowledge. But then there's this breath that comes from God. Mm -hmm. And from Genesis chapter two onward, the breath of God is always what animates and brings life. And life is changed. Life is, is changing and developing. And it's going from a heart of stone, human breath, human vapor, yep. to spiritual breath, spiritual vapor that animates and, and turns a heart of stone into a heart of flesh, which is malleable and changeable. And, and that's where life change takes place. And that's what we want to talk about. And that's where this, oh, blank will never change. Yeah, in and of themselves. So are you speaking Jesus over them. That's one of my new favorite songs. We speak Jesus. And that's where the life change takes place. I I want people to understand that there's a lot of hope in this because even when you read Ecclesiastes, it's, it's a pretty depressing thing Mm -hmm. to read. It's a pretty hard thing. And I think most of us have had moments in our life where we're like, man, this is a really rough, whatever patch Mm -hmm. month, year, five years, you know, and a lot of times it's based on our own personal choices and consequences, (laughs) but you like, there's these really dark times. What the gospel offers first and foremost is hope mm. i love when god cast adam and eve out of the garden and he's yeah. giving the curse to the serpent and he's giving the consequences to adam and eve he creates hope yeah and he says hey there's going to come this person that's going to do what you were supposed to do mm. and then from genesis 3 on you're supposed to be reading the bible looking for this person yeah and then malachi happens and then we have 400 years of quiet and then we have john the baptist coming on and saying hey repent repent and turn, turn away from what you have been doing, your wicked ways, for the kingdom of heaven is coming. Mm. And Jesus shows up on the stage, and all of a sudden, people are changing left and right. Mm. Prostitutes walk away from their sin. Religious zealots put down their swords and stop mm. killing people. Uh, normal men who were only worried about their fish are coming in and turning into just evangelists and pastors and martyrs. We're seeing even some of the Pharisees turn away from their pride and from, mm. from that sin and to Jesus. Uh, man, it's, it's, there's so hope in that. And so I, I'm just thinking, yeah. like, what would you tell someone who's got a person, Caleb, and especially a person close to them who they're, they're 
in in the bad spot. Like they're never going to change. What would you, what'd you tell a parent or a friend, mm. a husband or a wife? First, I, I would say is be patient. Mm. Uh, you never know what God is doing behind the scenes. And you are utterly, <laughs> if you think it's you that's going to change them, so, which is both freeing and and humbling. <laughs> yeah, you, depending you, on your personality. You, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have no ability. I, I try and remind myself myself this every time I get up to to preach the in the in the service. It's like I have zero ability with my speaking to change anything. Have I told you what I said to Lucas when he came to Mogwog? Mm. And he's got the typical Saturday night best it's the gospel heavy you're swinging mm-hmm. for the fences mm-hmm. you're you know you mm-hmm. want to see people saved five minutes before he gets on stage hey just a reminder nothing you say mm-hmm. or do in these moments is going to save anybody exactly and he looked at me and <laughs> it was kind of a it was a little bit of funny but it was also serious like within yourself man yeah so i love it like every time you get up to preach i'm not trying to save people i'm i trying so, to be faithful to the one who saves so that would probably be the first thing i would say to to somebody that's like hey they're never going to change you're like yeah in your power or in their power you're right. So are you being patient and are you running to the one who can? Meaning, are you praying for them? Yeah. Are you bringing, and that may be the longest process ever. Like when the, in the, a couple of times in the Bible, God changes his mind. <laughs> What's it after? Uh, someone prays. Someone <laughs> every intercedes. time someone well, is interceding. Also there <laughs> almost every time they're reminding God of who he is. It's like, hey, God. Like he doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't know. Hey, God, you're the God who keeps his promises. Are you, and you promised to do this. So if you're praying for this person, pray. Hey, God, remember you're the God who says, I'm making all things new. <laughs> remember you're the God who brings life into the dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Remember you're the God who, who it, do that. Pray in that way. Remind, that's the pattern we've been given. God, you are the one. So <laughs> be patient. Realize that God's doing more than you can imagine. And get on your knees. That that's what I don't know I what else you would say. Do you I have don't, anything I, else? No, uh, I think I, I love that you brought him back to God's doing a new thing. So I uh, Revelation twenty one. Yep, what's in there? A- ending great. scripture. And he who is seated on the throne, this is Jesus, says, "Behold, I am making all things new." Boom. Boom. It always don't it. Doing a new thing, you know he's doing it. God is doing a new thing, you know he's doing it. Who's doing it?